Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. The discussion is going to be about the gift of light. The gift of light. Every one of us have a gift. Every one of us have an opportunity to give clear understanding. The one thing I I would hear from people and have heard from people throughout the years is this. And they would say, if I only knew what God wanted me to do, I would do it. If I just had the answer. If, If I knew the solution to my problem, then I would follow it. No problem. I've realized in my own personal life, even if I knew the solution, I needed the grace to walk it out. So answers, answers alone isn't good enough. But I've also learned that if I had understanding, not just knowledge or instruction, but if I knew the why, it would drive me and cause my heart to burn to want to do something affectionately to follow after it passionately and have a clear understanding. And this is what light does. This is what light does. I want to share with you today and simply talk to you about the gift of light based on the first chapter of John. The gospel of John and his writings are so different than all the other gospel writers. We have the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and every one of their perspectives is different, but yet the same, and yet has this touch a purpose on every one of the books. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says it like this in his gospel, the first chapter. John chapter 1, verse 1, if you can look on the screen as they throw it up there, it says, In the beginning was the word, and that word means logos, which means the plan or the intent of God. And the word was God, so God was the intent, and then the word, the word was with God, and then the word was God. And I think we understand what he's trying to say. But then it says that this word, which is almost spoken of a separate thing, is now becoming an individual in verse 2. In verse 2 he says... He was in the beginning with God. Now I was describing the word word as a he, capital H, throughout, which is reference to Jesus Christ. And so if I were to change this out, I could say that in the beginning was the Lord, and the Lord was with God, and the Lord was God, because he was God's plan from the beginning. Because when you read the Bible, everything points to Jesus. And Jesus was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. And I'm interchanging the name of the Lord for him. In Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And so when did Jesus shine the light? In a dark place. 
the prophets wrote and said that he came into the land that was in darkness and there was a great light. Upon the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he came and he gave teachings, understandings. He did miracles, signs and wonders. And all of that was to impress the minds of the hearts of humanity that the heart could be changed. To impress the mind to be open for a change of spirit and heart. And so it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. And this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that through all he might, that, that all through him might believe. Now, when you look at this, I, I think I skipped over, but when you look at this, everything intentionally was done through people. I skipped the part where it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, the darkness did not comprehend it. I didn't explain that a little bit more thoroughly, but remember, life and light are the same. When you have light, you have life. And then John comes in here, and John is used by God, and he's used to expedite this illumination into a dark world. In that world that Jesus came into, there were pagan worshipers. There were people who worshiped false gods. There were, there were governments and kings that would offer up babies to sacrifice unto these false gods that they would obtain some type of so-called favor with them. These pagan practices have been around for centuries and surprisingly still do exist. But in this case, Jesus came in to share the good news or the gospel. And then so it goes on further. And so let me just go ahead and finish this. And it says, verse eight, and he was not that light, speaking of John the Baptist, whom God used to come as repentance to change the minds that God can influence the heart. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which giveth light to every man that cometh into the world. So every man, every man, that's not speaking of just the gender of men. It's speaking of the spirit man. Every person, every person in this world that has life, it's given to them by God. He was in the world, verse 10, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, the Jewish nation, and his own did not receive him. But, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. This is a big deal now. Because this light came in. And then the dividing factor, the determining factor would be understanding. But he came to the people that he came to give his life for. They did not see it. They did not understand it. They did not comprehend it. Therefore, God went to the Gentile nation, opened up to the entire world, and he gave the right to all of us to embrace light, to embrace understanding, to embrace the idea that was birthed from the very beginning of time 
that God would send his only begotten son into the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have life everlasting. And that thought would come into a dark world and give it hope. And can I just simply tell you here this Sunday morning, this Christmas Eve day, that the hope is still in the world and Jesus is still here to give life and life abundantly. And he said, all of these that would be born were born not of blood, verse 13, not of the will of the flesh. It's not a natural birth, not the will of man. It's not a natural birth or desire of a man to have a child that would bring this, but of God, a supernatural act. And then the word became flesh. Verifying that the word meant Jesus and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. It took a little time just to read that text, but it's good for us to have an understanding of the beginning of John's gospel. Because if you look at this slide, if you look at the entirety of the gospels, they are God's gift to us to help us understand what his intent was. John wrote particularly different from all the other writers. Luke's writings were very different than the others, being a doctor, more analytic in his thinking. Matthew, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew, was one coming from the perspective of a businessman. And he wrote differently. So when, when he wrote, his OCD kicked in. And he began to write about all the genealogies. So he couldn't just say unto us, the son is born, a child is given. He had to go through and name everybody back down to Adam all the way back down and go through and prove to everybody, this is where we come from, the genealogies. God's gift through the gospel of Matthew was to let all of you know that you may not know who your ancestors are. I guess I'm, I'm speaking to Latinos. You may not know except you take the test and then you're still confused because now you find out you get all these relatives all around the world and that's another whole sermon. But the problem is is that we know and we're trying to find out our family tree and we overlook the fact that because we have Jesus, we have a whole lineage, a whole inheritance of men and women that God has made covenants with throughout the years and decades and centuries that belong to us, that belong to us. Matthew proved we have a past and one to be proud of. Mark comes in, and when Mark begins to write, Mark begins to give the explanation and the purpose of ministry. And he goes in and begins with the writings of the birth of Jesus, then also with John and how all that transpired. And so when he begins to write, he gives us the, the, the ministry, the validation of ministry and how it all took place in the life of Jesus. And explained to us that after 30 years of preparation that Jesus came in and was ready. And that he also went through the proving grounds. 
In the book of Mark, you'll find out that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. You'll find out that Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, proving the ministry of Jesus, which gives us hope and understand one thing. When God calls you, God will prepare you. And when Luke begins to write, Luke begins to write the beginning of his gospel by the fulfillment of every promise from every prophet and every writer of the Old Testament. When the angel appears in his gospel in the beginning of the book, Mary is given the word. She goes to see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's baby, who was John the Baptist, leaps for joy when the salutations are made. There's verification and there's prophecy that's given. She gives the most glorious prophecy concerning who Mary was and who Mary has as the fulfillment of every word that the prophet said. How many of you know that God is always going to fulfill his promises? But then again, here comes John. John writes and he begins to talk about the word. And it was light. And you see this fluency of just the spirit moving. And then he talks about a new birth. And he says it's for everyone that believes and removes every limitation out. And says that even though he was rejected, even though the light was rejected, he was going to go to everyone, whosoever believes. John writes later in that third chapter of John in the Gospels, the greatest verse, I think, in, in Christian history, John 3, 16, everyone knows. But John 3 and 16 was just the beginning. Believing is just the beginning. He goes on further and talks about a born again experience. Being born of the water. Being born of the spirit. Entering into the kingdom of God. And there we find our purpose. John's writing gives purpose. The gospels, there's God's gift to us to help us understand that point number one and the only point I'm giving you today is your life begins with light. Insight, understanding. Insight and understanding to know your past, to know your present, to know that God fulfills and how God fulfills promises because Jesus' life wasn't easy. Even at his birth, King Herod wanted his life, but God's angels and God's hands came and protected him. Why? Because our God will make sure as long as we're walking with him, we're going to see every promise fulfilled in our life concerning his will. Turn to someone and tell them God's will is is being done in your life in your life be patient don't get frustrated sometimes God has to take you the long way just to show you the shortcut somebody somebody today here needs an answer and you think that there's a special step or recipe or an idea that will get you there, let me give you God's idea, Jesus. Jesus was God's great idea, light. 
the illumination of understanding God's purpose through his word. Here's what's interesting though. What was in Jesus, God determined to put it within us. And when you find the first spark of a reviving, and I say a true revival, a true revival is when something has been dormant and dead and there seems to be no hope and it's dark, then all of a sudden there's a spark that gives light. And this is what happened in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, the Spirit of God was poured out on all flesh. Let me read it to you because in the New Testament, the book of Acts is the beginning of God's plan that he intended from creation to now. And it's in that plan that the Spirit was given birth in the lives of humanity, in the apostles, in the families. But more specifically, it happened by a fires of tongues of fire. It's a, hard, it's a hard thing to grasp sometimes when you talk about the Spirit of God because people believe still it is a mystery. There are some things that are, mis that are mysteries, but can I tell you, every mystery God will reveal to you by His Spirit. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither it entered into the heart of man the things that God had prepared for them that love Him. But the Holy Ghost has revealed them to all of us, is what the Bible says. The Spirit of God will reveal everything to you. Paul even writes and says, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That's Jesus. So God doesn't want to keep things a secret. God wants to reveal them to us. But we have to have an open mind, because if they the Jewish nation missed the Messiah, how much more you and I missed the Holy Ghost when somebody's trying to show us. And unless we begin to share the message and give the gift of light, of understanding to our families, our families will remain in darkness. It is so important to understand the value of light. It is so important to understand the value of light, the value of understanding something. And this is in our DNA at Riverside Church. We believe that God still pours his spirit out. We believe that God still causes people to be baptized in his spirit. And he baptizes them with evidence of speaking with other tongues. And there are gifts that God pours out with that spirit, baptism. The problem we have in this world and the religious world is, is that no one understands it and they can't shed light on the subject. That's why we teach it, give comprehension, lessons, discipleship, and we ex exercise it here. The proof of that being we have seen God heal people of cancers. We have seen God heal people of broken bones. I've repeated this a number of times. We have seen God deliver, deliver people from demonic possession. 
And it sounds off, it sounds weird, but it's not when God does it and the individuals that it happens to. Because after seeing somebody healed, delivered, and set free, they have such a joy, such a peace. It's like somebody getting out of prison. And when you're out of prison and you're out of those four walls and you're behind those bars, I'm telling you here right now that there is a peace and a joy and a happiness when you're free. Light is relevant. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, And on the day of Pentecost, when he had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of what? Fire. And then... It filled all the whole house where they were sitting. And it sat upon each of them, divided tongues. It sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What does that mean? Here's what this means. In that moment, God bypassed their brain. That's how you know a language, by your memorization of what words mean in the thought process. When God baptizes your spirit, he gives you a language that you didn't have to go to school for, but that the spirit speaks through you. Now it's God praying through you, speaking through you. And the heart was out of control, but when it's submitted to God fully, it's now under the control of God. And the tongue that no one could tame, according to James, is now tamed by the Holy Ghost. And on that day, God poured his spirit out and tongues of fire. Come on, baby. Tongues of fire rested upon each of them. I want you to imagine this. The Bible says that the spirit of man is the candlestick of the Lord. That God lights our spirit. That day on the day of Pentecost, every person in that upper room, in that time of prayer, in the temple, their spirit was lit by the Holy Ghost in the form of tongues, by the fire. They were baptized. And this is why we've taught it throughout the year that the menorah that was in the temple that gave the light had one candle that was a servant candle referred to as the spirit of the Lord. And into that one candle, if you look at the menorah, it fed all the other candles that were there, the seven spirits of God. And if you don't understand that, go back in our podcast and get a lesson on that. It's a little bit deep, but we give resources to help people. But for those of you that have been there for some length of time, I just want to clarify and tell you that those other candlesticks in the temple that represented the seven spirits of God, the attributes of God's spirit, they were nothing without the spirit of the Lord that fed all of them. 
we focus so many times on the other attributes and ask God for wisdom, for knowledge, for counsel, for the fear of the Lord, for power, for, for, for knowledge. We ask him for counsel. We ask him for understanding. But we don't understand sometimes that if we just focus on the spirit of the Lord, all those other things will come. And it illuminates your ability to act, to think, to do, to live. And if we can just place one focus on lighting this candle, keeping it lit. Did you know that the priests were commanded that that center, the center candle on the menorah had to be lit and stayed lit 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was never supposed to go out. The other ones could go out. They can change those other ones out and, and, and they would change out the wicks. Remove the oil. Do all of these things to redo them. But they could not let that middle one go out. And they see, this is exactly what God was trying to say. You see, when we get tired, God doesn't get tired. When you go to sleep, God is still awake. When you feel down, God is always up. God doesn't get depressed. God doesn't get angry in the sense of he doesn't want to do nothing. God is always there. And his spirit is always ready but to focus on that one thing, can I tell you that this light has value? It doesn't look like it right now, but turn all the lights off for me, whoever has the lights. Turn them off, everything. The value of this candle is only proven in darkness. The value of this candle is proven by the darkness. If everything in this world went out, this one light would have great value. Great value. You can turn them back on. Here's what I want to share with you. If we don't allow the light of God to illuminate our homes, heaven can't help us. In World War II, I have an actual poster from the 1930s because in 1940, they implemented something in Great Britain. This is an actual poster. They have to do tests and they would run sirens and alarms at certain times during the war for the fear that Germany would come and bomb them and give them targets. So what they decided to do as a nation, they did blackouts. When those alarms went off, everyone had to turn every light off. You couldn't even have a light in your home, a candle, nothing. It shows them in this poster, it gave them instruction what to do in households. You had to stay in your house. You had to turn off every candle. You had to turn off the candles, turn off the lights. You had to begin to close even the windows. No illumination. As pedestrians, and they were on the street, you had to walk on the sidewalks, not on the streets. There were people getting hit by cars driving without lights. And if you drove and they finally gave permission to drive, they... They put what they call eyelids on top of the lights of the car so they wouldn't shine up, just down. And there were all kinds of things that they had to adapt to for fear 
that they would give the Germans a target. For motorists, if those alarms went off and they were driving, they had to park and stay in the curve and get under shelter and stay out of the way. Everyone had to comply by being in darkness. And if they lit one light, one candle, the Germans would see it and that's what they would hit. In our day and age right now, I think there are still a lot of people who live in spiritual blackouts. I believe that because of this, there's a mindset. There's a mindset because of religion, because of what others have done. Can I tell you that it is this church, at least this church is not a religious church. We don't believe in religion. We may religiously do something out of routine and discipline. But when it comes to God, it's about relationship. And what we do and how we live for God and what we decide to do with our life is based from love, from a passion. And the more we understand God, the more illumination we've got. And we're determined, at least for me in my house, we're not just going to keep the light at the church. We have to take the light home. But here's what has been engraved in the minds of some people. Maybe this isn't you. But I grew up in a, in, in a religious world when I was first saved as a Christian that there was a mentality that if you prayed, the devil would attack you and you became a target. When I would meet people growing up, <laughs> growing up spiritually, I got saved, I got saved when I was 19 years old. And <laughs> And got married and, and started living for God at 20 and, you know, really living for God because, you know, there's a space in your life where you get saved, but you're not really saved. But you tell everybody you know Jesus, but you never talked to him a day of your life, never felt the spirit of God. Everything you did when you went to church, it was nothing like you're experiencing right now. There was a lot of formality. You, you didn't know whether to stand, to kneel, to Bow, you didn't, you didn't, I mean, I'm just telling you, I grew up in that type of religious home. But when God found me and I experienced his presence, something went off in my mind. There was an illumination and he caused me to walk. And when I started praying, I started feeling attacks and I started going through there because I was on the peripheral, on the edge. When you live on the edge and can't make up your mind whether you're going to go in or out, it's easier for the devil to keep you out. But here's the mentality. People used to say, man, just remember, if you start praying more, the devil's going to attack. So families, I mean, who wants to pray after that? <laughs> who wants to worship God after that? Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. The mentality of a child of God concerning the kingdom of God should be this. We need to illuminate our lives and our homes so heaven can see us. Heaven is looking for homes that are illuminated. Heaven is looking for the homes that are living for God that are lights in this world. Heaven is looking for the illumination of light through our life to identify us in the spirit realm who's who. And I'm going to tell you the devil hates light. 
You want to know why? Because when we talk about light in the scripture, in the Bible, it wasn't GE provided by GE. It was light provided by fire. And the devil hates fire. And when your life is lit, your life is on fire. And the more light you got, come on somebody, the more light you have, the more fire you get. And the more fire you get, Hell can't come near that type of atmosphere. The light is too bright. This is why pursue God with all of your heart in the Bible. The Bible is a book written by men but inspired by God. It is the written word of God to give us instruction to get to know him. And the more you read and the more you seek his face, the more illumination you get. And the more illumination you get, the more wisdom you get, the more understanding you get, the more power you get, the more authority you understand you have, the more knowledge you have, the more counsel you hear, the more the fear of the Lord you gather to keep you in the paths of righteousness and you are not being bombarded by the devil. In fact, you are being bombarded by the favor of God in your life. You're being bombarded by the power of God in your life. You have now become a state, a place, a place called an embassy. God has colonized his kingdom into your place, into your home. But for fear of things going awry or maybe not giving in to or giving up the things that we know we need to, people are still living in blackout spiritually. They're still blacked out. But if one person can get an experience with God, if one person can get an experience with God, I promise you, like the house of Obadiah, you're going to see things begin to shift and things begin to change and you can't hide. You can't hide your life. God didn't want to give you life so you can hide it. God doesn't want to give you light so you can put it under a bushel. God puts you in a place to be seen by everyone. He wants you to be seen by everybody. Did you know even though you're going through darkness, you may not feel like you know the path, but I'm going to tell you God has still kept you in your right mind. You may be going through problems. You may be having some struggles, but if you've got a light from God, he'll keep your mind. He'll keep your spirit. He'll lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His lamp, his lamp, his word is a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path, and he's going to get you through. He's going to get you through every trial, every season, everything, but all you need is light. But you ever wondered why when you go through things, everyone sees you go through things? Why did God make you an open spectacle whenever you started having problems and everybody knew your business? <laughs> You're like me. I don't like anybody knowing my business. My sweet wife would talk to everybody, and she'll just start talking about things about me, and I'm like, babe, babe, babe. Why are you telling everybody my business? Is that you? That's me. Can I tell everybody your business? My business. 
You ever wonder why? You ever thought that maybe while you were going through darkness, God in his divine mercy kept the fire lit so everyone can see the direction you're taking so you can continue to walk, that you can eventually give light to those that need it. I'm talking to somebody right now and telling you that when you are walking in darkness, because God kept you lit, because God kept your spirit there, because God kept you in your right mind, you're going to be able to look back and all you've got to do is extend a hand to fellowship and like somebody else. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Matthew chapter five, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Say, I am a light. This is what Jesus was talking to. He was talking, he was talking about the disciples and the people. He was the light that came into the world, but then he began to turn around on the disciples and told them, you are the light of the world. I'm going to transfer it to you. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you understanding. And when you open your mouth, people are going to have understanding. You're going to teach them. You're going to show them. You're going to live it out. They're going to see you in trials. They're going to see you go through problems. But your life is going to be a reflection of my life. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. That's what God came to the earth to establish. Not a church, but a city. That's why we come to church to take it back home that we can see God convert the city. How many of you are on board for seeing a city converted, completely converted by the power of God, by the anointing, by the spirit of God? You have that influence. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand. And it gives light to all that are in the house. Hit the lights again. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. That's why God gave you light. Because he needs to see. The world needs to see him through you. I want you to stand to your feet as they hit all the camera, all, even all the projectors. I want one man that can see in the dark to come up here and light your candle. I'll help you. Just one man, one father. If you're a dad, come on. One dad. Light it, brother. You're tall enough. First servant had nothing but Mexicans in. Nobody could reach it. My friend, I want you to take that and give it to another man of the family. And I want y'all to share it until it gets everybody who has a candle. This is the way it works. It's a perfect example because sometimes you got to take time to let God light it and do it correctly. The only way, the only way you're going to see change is if we have the patience, we have the understanding, we have the insight. And we know there's value in the light. When you have value in the light, you begin to understand 
that you do whatever it takes to see it passed on. There's absolutely no one in the world that doesn't need light. But this is what we know. It is our responsibility to share it. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.